Welcome, bienvenue to the Fantasy Tools Podcast. This is a show where fantasy tools discuss fantasy tools. I'm your host, Eric Rentz, and I'm joined by my co-host, Michael Peterson. Our mission is to discuss fantasy baseball and the tools that we're developing that help us manage our teams. Cue that intro music. First All-Star Game win since 2012. Yeah, and isn't it like, isn't it like some very small number of the past 20? Yeah, 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 exactly. It's not like they were lighting it up before that. Yeah, exactly. But I mean, the one thing about the NL winning, of course, is that my closer (laughs) was the one who gave up the gave up the two-run homer, Felix Bautista. Rather that than in the in the actual regular season well, absolutely that was my first immediate thought and then i started thinking is this good or bad for him i think and like what does this mean anything going forward you know we talked a lot about how in the in the home run derby guys tend to not do well in the second half of the season so watch out boba Shett, or <laughs> boba Shett, vlad guerrero jr you know blue yeah. jays etc uh yeah watch out boba Shett. you're not gonna get hit in <laughs> yeah exactly so uh yeah but ultimately i settled on Happier it happened in the All Star Game. He's got plenty of games to shake it off, plenty of days to shake it off, but just didn't didn't feel good at the time. Like, oh, Felix Bautista takes the loss. Nice. All right, let's do a TGFBI check in here. Um, tools. I'm 165 down from 158. You're 254 down from 241. I mean, I I basically take these as standing pat. Only three games happened. Only three baseball games happened since we talked last. Anyway, yeah, I'm ready. To, I'm ready to run the run the stats optimizer. So I think for next week, I will run that. I mean, the answer is obviously saves. And interestingly, of course, this is key time for saves, right? Because guys are on the mm-hmm. move. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We, has anyone... Is anyone... Chapman moved to Texas, and they're supposedly going to have co-closers. I mean, I assume that he's not available in your league, but it means it means different things are happening. Like Scott Barlow's value rises, right? Unless Scott Barlow gets traded, which is entirely possible because <laughs> the Royals don't need a closer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know we got to take. Oh, yeah, is there? Are they gonna, is uh, Sewold going to get traded? <laughs> I mean, that, that would actually be good for my TGFBI team. Yeah, that's I what I'm saying. That's, uh, going back to that conversation. But Sewold is, I mean, still getting saves. So frustrating. Um, Sewold is not that good, but he is getting saves. I don't saves. think that this is going to be a big year for closer changes. Okay, that's a good prediction. Like, there aren't that many. I mean, I guess, I mean, one one potential closer who's going to move to a team and not be a closer anymore is probably Graveman. Because <laughs> yeah, long-term, yeah. he's not going to be the yeah. long-term. He's, like, good, but not great. He is historically a setup man, yeah. so that's probably my look. And who I own. Great. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's that's an, an interesting one. Did Jason Adam <laughs> lose the job? There's not really... A, I mean, no one really owns it, but, like, I don't, all of a sudden, the saves for adams disappeared and it's like I, I didn't even i didn't see a reason i mean fairbanks has like actually been getting saves right i like fairbanks so and i do, I do too and i think i think if you had to bet on somebody that's an appropriate one Going but Ooh, yankees who the yankees try to grab the yankees need somebody right this is not this this team is you can't exist on clay holmes <laughs> 
And then the Dodgers. Those are the two likeliest. But who's the guy that you would trade? Who's the obvious guy on a crappy team? St. Louis guys? Hicks and Gallegos? St. Louis guys are good. Isn't, um, what's his name is out, right? Who? Helsley is out right now. Oh, Helsley? Um, yeah. I mean, Helsley, Helsley would be, I would rather have Helsley than Gallegos, but if you're the, <laughs> you, uh, New York Yankees or the Dodgers? Yeah, because you need a, you need a closer, closer. Gallegos is an excellent setup man. Like, Gallegos is the guy that I would love to back up my closer. <laughs> yeah. Okay, yeah, if you had just one guy. Yeah. And both both the Yankees and the Dodgers need a guy, right? <laughs> they're kind of, they're like, they need a, they're like guy. stables, yeah. they're like stables of setup men. <laughs> Maybe Bednar gets moved. Mm, that'd be interesting. There, It's a weird, it's a weird year for closers. It's uh-huh. a weird year for closers. Yeah. All right, we'll check in on that next week. So again, we're going to check predictions this week. MLB, uh, there's some some real stuff that's actually happening. I did the conversion that I meant to do last week. So we're going to just pour over those, pour over a couple of those, dig a little bit deeper on a suggestion that you made last week trying to tie this back to Vox Populi, Wisdom of the People. So, all right, jump in. Uh, reminders, very brief reminder, last week we again discussed the baseline predictions for MLB wins and losses. Key thing, Key things here run differential is important uh smoothing over 10 game windows i'm actually interested in exploring whether 10 games is optimal because i thought more this week and realized that you've only played three different teams over those 10 games is that a big enough sample like should we be worried about that well i was hoping we're gonna go the other way and be like actually you can see it in you can see it in six games well i was going to right so so a wish list item for me is to test out over what period do you see this effect because you want to balance like injuries right or rotations or or lineups or whatever on a short-term basis so you want it to be as short as possible with you actually want to make sure that you're not just you're not just like well they just played the a's so their run differential is amazing they're awesome (laughs) right they're the best team (laughs) yeah Yeah, exactly so 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 we don't how do we do that i don't know i don't know it's we almost need some sort of hybrid thing. And I feel like I got lucky with choosing 10 that it's kind of this middle ground thing. But I would like to rigorously test that. So that's on that's on my list. So that, that's step one. What was that? Model calibration. Yeah, so you'd have to go mm-hmm. back. You, you'd have to test. It's like, okay, here's a one-day moving window. Here's the probabilities. Here's how often we were correct. Here's a two-day window. Here's how often we were correct. Here's a three-day window. Four, five, six, seven. Well, some of these, I mean, as you know from looking at these these charts, the I think the we can leverage R squared in the first place to say how tight the relationship is mm-hmm. um, for for run differential because all of this starts by looking at all of this starts by looking at the results of games within a certain bin so remember it's the run differential differential so your 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 run differential minus your opponents and that sets basically what we think the the relative quality of the teams is and you look at how frequently each each one of those wins 10 seem to work pretty well the relationship's reasonably tight i'm convinced we can definitely find something tighter than that and i just don't know if changing the window length is the optimal thing to do but i want to try it I want to try it. Yeah, I want to test that out. I think that's a great idea. 
so again, we so we take this run differential delta between the two teams and, and figuring out basically a, the key question is like we want a snapshot of how good the team is right now mm-hmm. to figure out how well they're going to do against their opponent. And the question of how do you get that, how do you get that measure of how good the team is right now is still a little bit up in the air. And then based on how good the team is, you have some you have some metric for how frequently a team of quality a beats a team of quality b and then we can assign those percentages and we come up with these winning percentages and i've actually settled on actually enjoying the fact that these are percentages <laughs> it was at first i was a little bit annoyed like nothing's higher than 60 percent, basically uh but i i've learned to actually love that a little bit more <laughs> that really tells you how much parity there is in the league yeah, so but it sort of makes sense because even in a in a three game series, like sweep is still a thing, because it mm-hmm. really is like a good team wins two out of three. Yeah, and I think to some extent, I almost think that's a better way to think about this. I had also settled on that idea, like because once I started forecasting multiple games in advance, obviously you only have today's snapshot, so I can only predict how good one team is relative to the other with no adjustment over the series right now. So like for the next right. three games, right? The let me let me give you a concrete example. Twins are playing the Seattle Mariners this week. Uh over the next three games, the Mariners have the same winning percentage, the same win odds, but that will adjust after every game. But currently, we would say okay, the Mariners have a 60% chance of winning today, 60% winning tomorrow, 60% winning <laughs> on Wednesday. And we can't do any better than that because we have no adjustments for pitchers or anything. But the way that I now think about that is like, okay, that means the Mariners are favored to take two of three from the Twins. I can't exactly tell you which two of three it is, but they're probably going to win two and the Twins will win one. Right. That's a better way to actually... Mm. Well, which is right. annoying. You have to <laughs> think that's about it that want. way or we need to get actual pitchers involved and be like, oh... Well, this is the day that um, I don't know, Pablo Lopez is going, so they're more likely to win, right? Yeah, or is that if, backing into what we're trying to figure out? I keep going around and around. I mean, maybe, what What do you think? I think that's what we're trying to figure out. And yeah. I, I could give you a real-life example. Yeah. If you would like. I'm trying to figure out if I start Jose Barrios mm-hmm. this week. He has one start against San Diego. In Toronto. Yeah. The other pitcher that I have to consider is Rich Hill against Cleveland. Again, he gets through one through four in the lineup. It's cake. So, okay, so let me give you the percentages. So currently, as of today, we would say the Toronto Blue Jays have a 58.9% chance of winning any any given game. Um, yeah, any any of these games relative against the Padres. But by contrast, we actually we don't favor the Pirates. The Pirates are win forty seven point seven percent of the time versus Cleveland. And I think I mean so we're more, I'm more likely to get a win out of Jose Barrios. Definitely. I mean I think that's what we so think. that that is an unambiguous prediction based on team quality. Then you yourself have to fold in this information about what do I think about the pitchers? Rich Hill has Seven wins on the season. Brios has eight. Wow. He, <laughs> Rich Hill, 
only does decisions this year. Nine losses, seven Ooh. wins, nine losses. That is incredible. That's that's a boomer bust situation. They, that means you, know, you ever they played got in the league early. where it was like negative <laughs> losses counted yes. against? Yeah, yeah. Jose Richo Brios, would be and bad pitcher. <laughs> okay, Jose Brio stays in. I sort of like the Cleveland matchup, but you're right. Pittsburgh is Pittsburgh is Pittsburgh. Cleveland's been Cleveland has been relatively good recently is the is part of the issue. So I think I'm talking about this out of order in how I put this in the lineup, but or in the um, in our agenda today. But you can see now that I actually forecast two weeks of games, um, every every single day, which is which is kind of the objective. On some level, these aren't these aren't that interesting because, like I said, they're just team versus team. So you'll see them repeat <laughs> themselves. Although they're going to get updated after every game, so if you look at this tomorrow, you'll have an updated estimate of who's going to of how things are going to go. Um, not a lot of extremes here, and and actually after yesterday, there are no matchups for the next two weeks that we think are even seventy percent odds of winning. Schedule everything this is, is a scheduling thing, isn't it? Yeah, everything is in everything is in the sixties, which is well, which is interesting. Red, yeah, after the Red Sox lost to. The Cubs pretty substantial. on Saturday. They, on Saturday. they won yesterday. Right. Yeah, yeah. So, but I mean, the run differential differential over the weekend was not good for the Red Sox. No, so so definitely definitely got adjusted. Um, even though they're playing the Athletics this week, so so we produced this. I think I think this is good to look at. I think this is worth looking at. We're definitely seeing parity. There's no there's nothing that I would run out and action right now at least from a fantasy perspective, which brings me to the thing that you mentioned last week, which was, is there anything that we can do with information from the people? And by the people, we mean the betting markets. The people who bet for on games for a living and look at these things. First thing, I'm, first thing I'd like to get out of the way, and I could maybe use your help on this if we're interested, is I can't figure out how to scrape lines. <laughs> it's not, it, it's not, not trivial. Um, it's 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 a JavaScript maze. I mean, I think by design because I think they probably don't want people scraping. Yeah, I think that you're completely right. So where have you? Well, yeah. So like DraftKings isn't. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I mean, when you when basically when you pop a request open in Python, it doesn't. It, you're gonna have to go. Gonna have to do some JavaScript. So I'm thinking about that. You're, you we will have to use some web page automation. It does seem that way. Now. Here's the incentive. There seems to actually be some some discrepancy between our predictions and the betting market predictions. Mm-hmm. We can look at this multiple ways. You can look at this as either like, oh, we should use this to smooth out our predictions, or you can look at it as if we were gambling people, that would be a very interesting opportunity. <laughs> <laughs> right, that. Or it is a interesting opportunity to say, what is happening here? How can we isolate what ha- what's happening here that might be making a delta between the two of these? Because we're not, we don't know if it's Shane McClanahan pitching, right? So let me give you let me give you four case studies, <laughs> actually four interesting case studies from yesterday that I identified just looking at Vegas lines, um, who was favored to win, where I thought we had a pretty big discrepancy. So the answers are Dodgers over. Yesterday, we said Dodgers were going to beat the Mets 68%. Betting markets had this at a 20-21, which is barely favoring the Dodgers. 
we thought we thought Dodgers were big favorites. We had Rockies over Yankees, where the Rockies were way underdogs, and we thought the Rockies were at 60% chance to win. We had Nationals or Cardinals. Again, Nationals were big underdogs uh, in the in the betting market, 31 to, to 31 on 20. We had the Nationals at 47.8, which is still not favored to win, but enough enough discrepancy against against what the market said. And then last one, Red Sox over Cubs. Red Sox were underdogs here, and we were pretty sure that the Red Sox were going to win 56.8%. Two of the four outcomes that we said uh, hit, but the, but the Nationals, we still said we had the Nationals at 47.8. We still said that they were not likely to win, and the Cardinals won. So, Sure. We, so that's really 2-1-1, one, and one, I would say, because if we yeah. were to talk about this, we'd probably put that into the paradigm of... We're not likely to want to do that. And plus, isn't that right in the differential differential where we say that like they're more likely to, if we're right next yeah. to 50%, then either one yeah. is likely to win. Yeah, exactly. And so, I, but to me, to me, it was, it was mostly that the line was different. Now, there is something that I think is unifying between all of these, which is that these are all big market teams for the most part. There's a big market matchup here. With it, maybe the exception of the Nationals versus Cardinals. I mean, I'm looking at Dodgers, Yankees, Red Sox versus Cubs. Is that what's driving the dominant effect here? Or can we think of anything that's like I looked at the pitchers and it didn't seem like it didn't seem like that was the main effect here. Red Sox, Cubs, um, I think well, that was influenced by the previous game. And what yeah. our prediction is doing is saying no let's look at the last 10 games who gives a shit about one outcome right yeah um so that's probably that's probably why it smoothed it out for us whereas everyone else was like wow it looked like the red sox just did not wake up yeah (laughs) yeah and then there they went let's see the the dodgers and mets yeah there are both public teams where there are a lot of dodgers and mets fans for i don't know why anyone wouldn't be a mets fan but there are a lot of them now, to be fair, that's the one that we got wrong. We thought that we were pretty sure the Dodgers were going to win, and then the Mets ended up winning it. Right, and then but we but we had the Rockies over the Yankees because I mean I'm sure that the Rockies are the worst team. <laughs> what do we think that they're the worst team? But we we have it right that over the last ten games the the Rockies are better than the Yankees. Yes, and I mean that one that one the line was just so skewed. I mean, I, I understand, I think this to me is, so that one to me is exemplary of the wisdom of the people kind of failing, being stuck in this sense of like, the Yankees are better than the Rockies, come on. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas we look at the cold hard numbers and say, ah, it's not actually true <laughs> recently. Yeah. No, you know, I, I do see this as we went to one and one in, in this. Whereas well, yeah. I think that if we would probably put a threshold of something around like, two and a half a five percent buffer zone around 50 percent or is it like there's no reason to even try here like this i mean this rockies versus yankees is an is a key example right you look at it and you're like come on the rockies aren't like the rockies win more than one out of every three times which is what this is telling you against the yankees but i think that there are dodgers and mets is just like yeah a a team is who's we said 68 percent. we didn't say 100 (laughs) percent chance yeah no exactly i mean that that's right. It's again the sixty-eight percent over a over a three-game series. That means Dodgers win two, Mets win one. Okay, you know what can we do about that? Yeah, yeah. It's I, all statistical I outcomes. Yeah. 
But I think to me, I mean, this exercise was interesting because I still, I still don't know the answer to the question that I posed a few minutes ago, which was, do we fold in the information from the public or are we, do we think that we're not actually learning anything from the public information? I think that there is something to be learned there. Okay. I still think there's something to be learned there because there is a delta between the two of those. As long as there, there is a delta, and, and if we can quantify that, I think that we we might know, like be able to find some things. I really don't know what it is, is the problem. I know, I know, I know. Maybe we will find some things that are intrinsic that we're like, just putting it through some regular uh, regular algorithms. We'll actually like find some things, and then we can try to figure out what it is later. The yeah. other is like maybe we actually do try to reach out to someone who might be able to... <laughs> give give us a sense. No, I think I think that's very interesting. I think to me, a big part of that is going to be enabled by figuring out the scraping, so we can kind of kick around some some ideas for that. Um, I mean, I feel really good about the rest of the scraping here. Everything's happening from MLB data sources, which was really important. I unlocked a bunch of the I unlocked the MLB's stats API web page. Ooh, that felt pretty good. That's that pretty good. That's really good. Does it have starters? So, it does not. So, but I so I have to match that against baseball savant. That's the thing that I. That's the thing that's left to be done. And do we have future starters? Where do we have a, a good source for? We do. We do not. I mean, I was. That's a that's a future project to try and pull the pattern recognition, which is all that like CBS is doing as well. Anyway. Okay. I don't like that. I don't either. But we're kind of stuck, as far as I can tell. I think that about brings us to the review session. Alec Baum. Alec Baum. I like Alec Baum. I do too. Okay, let's get that out of the way. So here we go. Um, Alec Baum, always been a Philly here in the 2023 season. He's played in 80 games here, so maybe we can just double these to get a pace sense. 40 runs, 9 home runs, 58 RBIs, 282 average, and 3 stolen bases. Um, 58 RBIs. <laughs> hey, what is he? The... Five spot usually. That's a six. That's spot? a lot of RBIs. That's a, it's that team. Like we just don't talk about. They went to the World Series last year. We just, uh, Bryce Harper goes down. <laughs> we just don't talk about him this year. But they have a pretty decent offense. So he's he's four, right? He's mostly oh four and five. Oh, except for he gets pushed way down if they have their optimal lineup going. They've he's been yeah he was four seven the other day, but he's actually but, usually like six or seven. But I think this, yeah, because I think these like early July ones are their optimal lineup, meaning Schwarber, Turner, Castellanos, Harper, Real Muto, and then Bryson Stott, who's I guess a future future option for them. And Alec Baum, I mean that that's a good top of lineup. <laughs> yeah, it would be great if he could top be in the top four of that lineup, but he's not. Yeah, so it'd be really interesting to split his production on those games where he is in the top four, <laughs> which happens not infrequently. How is he first base eligible? <laughs> Don't know. Don't know. Still classed as a. I mean, classed as a first baseman though. Like you look at, look at Savant. Say he's first base. <laughs> you look at. I guess you look at. I guess you look at Fangraphs and they call him a third base. Third baseman. He came up playing the the hot corner. Let's see. Where's where is he? All right, there we go. Okay. No, he plays a lot. He plays a lot of first, and he's he's like pretty evenly split between first and third. Last year he only played ten games. This year he's played more first than he's played third. Damn. Yeah, I see again. Not paying attention to the Phillies at all to know that. 
I know. But you can, you look at their you look at their list, and it's like who else would be? I mean, I guess Schwarber would be playing first, but maybe he's the beneficiary. Maybe maybe Alec Baum is the beneficiary of the DH here. Big Schwarber doesn't want to play first. He was made to play first in in Boston, and and then he was like, I don't really want to play first. Well, he can't he can't play any other positions, so <laughs> yeah. <laughs> sure, <bro. laughs> what, what are you gonna do like i mean talk about unrealistic expectations <laughs> his agent is like yeah i want to be a baseball player myself but i'm not so why don't you just <laughs> deal with it yeah still insane that after they tried all these other things kyle schwarber still goes back to being a leadoff guy on a team on a, yet another team he gets on pace he just he just gets it done it's just like they have trey turner on their team <laughs> kyle schwarber leads off yeah yeah. Anyway, we're not talking. We're not talking about any of them. We're talking about Alec Baum, who this is a good lineup, though, and I think that's the explanation for why he's got 58 RBIs. It's a good lineup. Yep. That's the main explanation because he's not. I mean, I'm looking at looking at his savant numbers, not barreling the ball a ton. Uh, he's only he's, got 16 home runs, and yeah, his slugging is. Well, he's only got nine home runs this year. Oh, sorry. He's got nine home runs. He's on pace for 16 home runs. Ah, uh, yeah. He has a. 425 slugging which is up from his career but that's not not huge i mean I guess, yeah i guess he i guess he is on pace to get the most home runs he's ever gotten <laughs> in a season he wasn't expected to be a a big home run guy even though he's six listed six five two eighteen what what do you want what do you want for a power hitter if not that profile <laughs> he needs to fill in <laughs> He needs to fill in a little bit, yeah. I mean, but he's got. But would you rather? Would you rather? I mean, he's two eighty two. Mm-hmm. Would you? Would you take seventeen off of his batting average to get seventeen more home runs? Sure, in a heartbeat. Yeah. Come on, come on. Again, we're talking about him as a first baseman. You would make that trade instantly. Yeah. Honestly, why is he drafted so low though? Well, because he had a very very poor twenty twenty one. But he didn't have a poor twenty. 20- but he didn't have an exciting 2022. 79 runs, 13 home runs, 72 That's RBIs, true. and a 280 average. That's you think to your 152 games. Every one of those stats is like 70 percent of where you wanted to. 79 percent of where you wanted yeah. to be. Yeah, exactly. So your okay. So your argument. So you would expect him to jump up in where he's drafted next year. How many games is he going to get to this season? You think? Not more than 150. So I mean, he'll get one, 150 games again. So Maybe. Maybe. So I mean, instead of played, 79 runs, he'll get 75. Instead of 13 home runs, he might get 16 to 18. Yeah. And he might get 100 RBIs? Maybe. And hit 280 again and get this five stolen bases? What is that player? Okay, so you're saying... I mean, it's a... It's a backup first baseman or an excellent corner infield TGFBI option. Yeah. But yeah, I, okay, I, I agree with you. On a per-day basis, this is the guy that you can't drop because can't drop, he has but value. Can't start. But you can't start him. Yeah, it's okay, just like, so he's, uh, he's right started on days <laughs> yeah. when everybody else has an off day, and you're like, well, well he's in there. <laughs> he's going. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, and okay. he's eligibility, actually, so that's good. Yeah. You've convinced me a little bit more. Yeah. I mean, it's hard. It's hard. Honestly, it's hard to imagine a better spot from him apart from him batting fourth or fifth in that lineup. Oh, I mean, if he could bat fifth in that lineup, and someone could introduce him to like a 
powerlifting regimen. <laughs> yeah. I, maybe he's one of but those guys that's like, I, you know, Instagram, like, I gained 20 pounds of pure muscle <laughs> this offseason. I'm ready. <laughs> That, that would be a guy to watch for sure. His hitting profile is okay. He doesn't barrel up a lot. His max exit velocity and hard hits are pedestrian, but he doesn't whiff. No, he doesn't it's great. Really I, I love a guy that hits 280. I just wish that he would get. If you're, if you're building an average team, like he's actually kind of fun, right? Because usually the uh-huh. average guys are the ones that get runs. He doesn't. He does get RBIs, though. Yeah, that's an interesting point. I mean, that maybe that's why he's so, maybe that's why he's more unique because it's a. It's a low, relatively low lineup, RBI average guy. Hmm. So he got drafted in the end. He's sandwiched between Tristan McKenzie and Alex Verdugo at 174. I mean, honestly, that Alex Verdugo comp is Alex Verdugo comp is kind of interesting, right? Because Verdugo is another guy that I think of as like can't drop him, but man, can't really snart him. Especially because he can't really seem to... And this is a... I mean, if Alec Baum was like 162 games as well, you'd be like, okay, that's another like factor for him that's positive, but he's not. Alex Verdugo as well misses a lot of games. He hasn't been like injured, injured, right? He's just getting sit, sat random days? No. Yeah. It looks like? Sitting. Um, yeah. Right. Hmm. I would guess he's going to end up being in the like 150 range next year. So up a little bit, but not much. Yeah, not a huge amount. I mean, a good TGFBI guy. I would go out and get him. I'd be interested in him for TGFBI. Yeah, corner infield as well is is kind of nice. He's got both eligibility of both and corner and utility. Yeah, you could play him in a lot of different spots in that lineup. That'd be good. He's good enough in TGFBI to set and forget. He would be a little frustrating in that he you know he sits random days and <laughs> you're like I only got you wouldn't even look at his you year. wouldn't even look at his stats though you'd just be like he's my first baseman i've, I've yeah, looked no that's over the course of this yeah year. so he's so he's not gonna get to it all right so let's do let's do an over under here i mean i think i think home runs is probably the most interesting one unless you want to go for some lofty rbi total <laughs> no let's do He's on pace for a total of 21 home runs plus stolen bases. Mm-hmm. That says that, he, that that means that he would get 142 games in total. I think he is a slightly better second half. I would go over on 21.5. How many games do we think he's going to play? I think I mean I think he's on I think what you're seeing is what you get. I think he's going to get 142. You think, think 142 games? I think whatever his pace is right now, I mean, they're clearly sitting him. He doesn't He doesn't hit a lot of... He hasn't spent... He's only spent a little bit of time on the DL. I would take the over on 21. Home runs you would take the pieces. over. Okay. You would take the under? Who, I'll t- okay, I'll take the under. 21 and a half? 21 and a half. Is this? I, I'll or, take the yeah. over on that, yeah. Okay. I think, I mean, to me, that's the interesting one. That's the interesting bet because... If he gets over that, that makes more people sit up and take notice in drafts next <laughs> more. year. More. 21 and, 21 and a half for home runs plus stolen bases. Well, but but say that he gets over 20 home runs. That's that's going to make people think, oh, Well, if he got there. over 20, but we're not saying that he's going to. He's, he's going to probably be like, he's got to, if he got to 
20 home runs, yes. I think that would add or subtract two, three rounds from his draft position. Yeah, I agree with that. So I think that's going to be an interesting thing to watch. We'll check in on that later. Who are we doing next week? Brandon Drury. Hopefully he'll be off the aisle by then. <laughs> Time for a little housekeeping. Be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes and follow us on Twitter, Fantasy Tools, Mind the Z. Thank you, Mild Manor, for letting us use your tunes. Be sure to follow them on SoundCloud and Facebook. Feel free to email us with questions or comments. Send us messages at fantasy.tools at gmail.com. Again, mind the Z. All I've got left is, all I've got left is, we're still luck to you, buddy. We're still luck to you, too. Yeah.